0: If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 20 as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible. This is the way the Bible says we are to learn God's Word. Line upon line, precept upon precept, based upon the book of Isaiah. And so we want to look at this. Now, chapter 20, the most holy of all the Torah, the Ten Commandments. Now, again, we've talked about this, how you'll go to college and you'll go to your psych classes and study Jung and Freud and all these different people to try to figure out the psyche of man. Well, if you want to know really the true psyche of man, it's all found in Exodus chapter 20. What's right with man? What's wrong with man? It's all right here because it tells us what the deficiency is. Now, remember back in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, God said, the day you eat of the tree is the day you surely die. Now, Adam and Eve ate of the tree. They didn't bite into whatever it was. People always say, well, it was an apple. We don't know what it was. It doesn't say it was an apple. It just said they ate the fruit of the tree. God said, don't eat of it. They did the opposite. Well, God just doesn't want you to be Uh, like he is. You eat of the tree, you'll be God. That's what Satan told him. Listen, there's a lot of things in this life that we're not to do. If your parents come in and say, honey, don't drink the stuff that's underneath the sink. It isn't because mom doesn't want you to be like she is. She knows there's a lot more bad things under that sink. Now, here's the truth. Animals could have ate as much as they wanted of that tree. Because people oftentimes try to say and fault God. How could a good God put a bad tree in the garden? I think that's a logical logical thought. But the Bible doesn't say it's a bad tree for animals or certain animals. It was bad for us. Not only was it a... Test, And I want to go back to this word. I want you to remember this word because we're going to get into it as we go deeper into Exodus chapter 20. But it's a test to see, will you obey me or will you obey yourself or the devil? Well, we remember the ate of the tree. Something did die in them. They didn't fall down dead, but... God said, where are you in the cool of the evening as he had come and walked with man? Where are you? Oh, poor God, he didn't. He lost Adam and Eve. No. God did not ask that question because he didn't know where they were. He asked that question because they didn't know where they were. Remember that. Sometimes God will come to you, me, in a course of a lifetime and say, what are you doing? It isn't that God doesn't know what we're doing. It's that, do we really know what we're doing? Are we on the right road? And so as we look at this, again, the Ten Commandments were written. Now, last week, we got up to the end of the actual Ten Commandments. The people of Israel are gathered at the base of Mount Sinai. They put up that yellow Please tape, do not cross at the base. If you went past it, you got killed. God had parameters set. Now, I'm just kidding you about the tape, but they were allowed to come up so close to the mountain and no farther. And God spoke from the mountain to the people. Now, oftentimes we miss that because I think we've seen so much of the movies and different things that were written. We see these different Ideas that that God, uh, Moses just comes down with the Ten Commandments and, and everything like this. The Ten Commandments, in fact, were written on the tablets of stone. But that was after God audibly spoke to the children of Israel and said, this is what I want from you. Now, again, as we read this and have looked at this, you're going to see the purpose for it. And I think this is really important. We find several things here. Man by nature is idolatrous. We like to worship what we see. God said, don't make any graven image. And the idea of that is that we take something heavenly and and we try to carve it into a form and say, this is what God is like. God is not limited by our carvings. God is not limited by our ideas and God is not limited by who we think he is. Let's pray. Father, as we... Go into your word now. May your Holy Spirit speak to us. Cause us to understand more of your love, more of what you're like, showing us that these are not to justify man, but to show us how desperately we need a Savior. And so we ask you now in Jesus' name that you would speak to us through these words in your precious name. Amen. We have, again, the Ten Commandments. Most of us are familiar. He said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. God is exclusive. There's nothing else like him. There's none like God. And so because of that, there is no other gods before him. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get at the end of the chapter as well. And I I know for some of you that were here last week, this is review. That's okay. He said, you shall not make for yourself any carved image, likeness, anything in heaven above or that which is in earth beneath or in the water or in the earth. To worship, by the way, that doesn't mean that if you have a plastic figurine of a dolphin that you're sinning. I actually have seen people take this verse out of context and they went through their daughter's uh, uh, bedroom and all the little Barbie dolls and all the little dolphins and all that stuff. They're these are all idolatrous, you know, and crazy stuff like that. Well, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about where you would carve something to worship it. In fact, idolatry became so bad in Israel, the Bible says, uh, he said, with one piece of wood, you'll carve a statue and you'll worship it. And with the other piece of wood, you'll cook your beans on the fire with it. He goes, doesn't this kind of like show you you're like not connected? Well, he says... Be careful of those kinds of things. Why? We are idolaters. We worship what we see. Now, oh, I would never do that. Just that my new Corvette, you know. Hey, if you get a new car, let me tell you something. We're getting, we have a little bit, because we watch out for door dings, don't we? There's always a door dinger someplace. And I'll tell you something. I have parked 100 miles out at Walmart, so I won't get a door ding, and I'll walk out there, and here's, there's, and there's a hundred parking spots, and they park right next to you. Why is this? It's like kinetic energy park here. I don't know why, but the thing is, you think, why do they do that? Hey, we're idolaters by nature. We just are. We worship what we see. We worship our, our, our careers. We, we can worship the diploma on our wall that says, this makes me a somebody with a gold seal on it. Really? Not Really? Because remember, again, this is the thing we always have to remember. We're one breath away, one heartbeat away from leaving it all. By the way, we have that screening thing here this week. You can come down and they'll check your veins. They'll check your arteries. They'll pop the hood open, change the oil. I don't know what they do, but they do something in there. And they did it to me two uh, months ago. I, I, I went in, they did that, popped the hood. They go, yeah, you know, you can change the oil. I don't know what they did to me. They had hoses hooked to me, all that kind of stuff. They said, oh, you're good, you're good, you good. You know, and uh, <laughs> two months later, I have a, a, a coronary heart attack. I, I died for two minutes. Whole left side of my heart plugged with... With uh, COVID, by the way, it wasn't cholesterol. But the thing is, it's good to have a checkup. So we have that here, so you can do that. But anyway, dirt trail, I'm back now. Okay. We we like to worship what we see. We're idolaters by nature. And we try sometimes to put God. Now, this is, okay, I can't stand it. I, I get so excited when I read the Bible. Let's just go to the end of the chapter. We'll come back. Okay, let's go to verse 25 of chapter 20, okay? Because this is why it's important that we understand this. He says in verse 25 of Exodus 20, And you shall make me an altar of stone. You shall not build it with hewn stone. For if you use a tool on it, you have profaned it. Say what? That's right. God says, You pile up a stack of stones, I'll meet you there. What's this thing about the hewn stone? It's works of the flesh. I'm going to make this thing, I'm going to chip it out just right, and maybe, just maybe, God will come and see me. You know, Moses is talking with God right here. God's speaking with him. He says, You know, Moses, you build a stack of stones up, that's your cell tower, I'll meet you there. Isn't that amazing? And he said, I don't want you to come to me based upon your works. You're cutting the stone. You're piling it up. You just pile up a regular old stack of rocks. I'll meet you there. Now, why is that important? Because God is not a God of sight. God is a God. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what does that mean? It means this. By nature, we like to see things. This is why pagan temples around the world right now as I speak are ornate with gold and silver and all these different things because it's a religion of sight. Look at the churches even in our own valley. Look at the churches around the world that that and cults that focus upon their temple. Well, you know what's wrong with that? God will not dwell in temples Buildings made with men's hands, the Bible said. He dwells in you. Isn't that great to know? God says, you just pile up a pile of stones, I'll meet you there. I like that. You just you pile up a pile of stones, I'll meet you there. By the way, we get the word altar. From basically a lot of the understanding comes from the from our, our actually our Latin idea of, of altar meaning an exalted place, a high place. But actually the word for altar here is not that, but it's a place where we get the word in the Hebrew killing. It was a place of sacrifice. And it's interesting that when we pile up the stones, not Hewn with men's hand. We don't approach God through our works, friends. And this is so important when we understand that. Because it's not by works, lest any man would boast, that we come to God. There is nothing that you, me, do in ourselves to generate righteousness. You might say, well, then what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? I am so glad you asked. This go, I, I'm just, I, I, you know, one of the things I, I, I really love God's word. I'm a logical kind of guy. I, I, uh, my family, I'm rel- my relatives are the Wright brothers, uh, the Helms. I, I've got a lot of uh, inventors in my life. You know, when you light a hot water heater and you push the little button down and you wait uh, and then you, you know, you light it and you hold it down until it gets hot. And then you take your thumb off the gas and, and it stays on. My family invented that. We're inventors. I, I love the logic of the Bible. You don't have to put your brain in neutral when you come into church. Everything is here. I, I feel bad for religion that just says, you accept it because we say it. No, the, the Bible, there's, there's reason for your faith in God. There's reason for your faith in, in Him. And so, notice he says here... Um. When he, when he talks here in, in chapter 20, uh, let's go to, um, uh, he says, let's go to verse 18. This is where actually we start this Sunday. We left off, by the way, just to finish up very quickly, um, 10 commandments shows what's wrong with us. By nature, we're Selfish. By nature, we're adulterers. By nature, we're covetous. By nature, we're thieves. By nature, all this tells us. By nature, we're lazy or we can be workaholics. Six days thou shalt work and on the seventh day you will rest. What does that tell you? We need to take a rest. Oh, I got to keep the nose to the grindstone. You know, it's my extra work that's going to make the difference. No, it's not. You can gain the whole world, lose your own soul. What does it profit you? Or we can just not work at all. Just hang out at at our favorite coffee shop all day and condemn everybody who does work. I don't know. But by nature, we're lazy or we're workaholics. By nature... We want to see what we worship. By nature, we are profane. By nature, it tells us this is what's wrong. You don't have to go to Jung. You don't have to go to Freud. You can go right here. This tells you what is wrong with man. Now, God outlines this for a reason. Now, remember, they came, a lawyer came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 And a lawyer came to him, lawyers are like that, yeah they are. And the lawyer came to him testing, (coughs) excuse me, testing him. And he said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself, for upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. Now, upon these two, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And people who don't know the Bible say, see, you're supposed to keep the Ten Commandments. That isn't what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. What were Jesus's commandments? Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. For upon these two, Jesus said hang all the law and the prophets. Now, as an example, when we get into chapter 21 of Exodus, that goes into more of, of, of laws that are minor, like uh, talking about if you uh, if you hire uh, or, or, you, or you buy a Hebrew slave, they didn't have chapter 13 or chapter 11 in the IRS code in those days. The way you got out of debt is you sold yourself into slavery for six years. On the seventh year in chapter 21 of Exodus, it says you have to let him go. There were rules. These are all laws. And Jesus said, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. Why is that important? Because again, to love God, love your fellow men, that is the commandments of Jesus. Now, verse 18, after all the, 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 the 10 commandments were given, he says now, now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and the people saw it. They trembled and stood afar off. Now, notice verse 19. This is really important. If you like to underline things in your Bible, do this. Okay. Chapter, uh, verse 19, it says, And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let God speak with us, but, not, uh, but don't let God speak with us lest we die. What do you find here? The people realized they needed a mediator between God and themselves. Moses, you be our mediator. Uh, We're scared to death. We don't want to talk to God. You talk to God and you tell us what he says. That's what they wanted. Isn't it weird that they recognized they needed a mediator? Jesus Christ is our mediator, reconciles us to the Father. What we could not do in ourselves, God did that. And Moses uh, then... uh, Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear, but let God, uh, but let not, not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you. You like that? Underline that in your Bible. God has come here to test you. It doesn't say God has come here to justify you. Do you understand the difference? The law was not meant to justify man. The law was meant to test you to see where you're really at. There's a difference between being tested and being justified. Do you get that? There's really no justification in the law. The law is a test to show us what we're really like. People that try to justify themselves by the law don't understand what the law is. That's why the book of Galatians was written in the New Testament, where Paul writes to the churches scattered throughout the area of Galatia. It wasn't just one church, it was a lot of them. And he writes to them and he says this. Foolish Galatians chapter 3. Who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit. Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? There were Judaizers that came in and say, well, now that you believe in Jesus, and our town is full of these churches, friends, so don't think this was just some nice, interesting information in the first century. No, no, it's right now. They'll they'll do this. They'll come to your door and tell you to really serve God, you've got to get back under the Ten Commandments. You've got to get back under, bing bong, the test. No! You're not justified by a test. The test shows you where you're at. The test cannot make you right. The test only shows you where you're at. Oh, I wish people would get this. Because you'll have them knocking on your doors. Don't eat pork. Worship on Saturday. You name it, they've got it. They They go into the law. Listen, the test only shows you where you're at. Again, look what he said. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. God has come to test you. Underline it. Man, do you know half of these groups of people would empty their buildings if they realized you are not saved by the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments only show you how much of a sinner we really are, in case you didn't know. Have you noticed that? Have you thought you were, I'm doing good, I'm cruising good, I'm looking good and cooking good with the surf duke. Yeah, that's right. And then we have a trial. We have a test. Somebody pulls in front of us. We can have words come out of our mouth we didn't even know we knew. How is that? You can be having the greatest day in the world. You come in and you see what your kids... I remember years ago, somebody come up to me. I I had kids late in life, like really late in life. Like if you don't have them now, you never will. You know, over 60 crowd... I mean, I mean, I mean, mean. when you're over 60 and you have kids, even the government feels bad for you. They give you all kinds of tax credits for children if you're over 60 and you have kids under the age of 16 or 18 living in your house. The government feels bad for you. We better help them. And somebody came up to me and they said years ago to me before I had kids, they said, do you have children? And I said, no. And you know what he said to me? Who breaks all your stuff? I didn't understand that. I do now. I have found they can do things that you have no idea. They contrive together. And if it wasn't that you, and this is why, everybody listen. Advice from my mother. When you have children, have more than one. Because when you get old, one might not like you. Okay. But the good advantage of having two kids that I have found is they will narc each other off. Like in other words, my little boy comes, Anna spilt paint in the carpet in her room. And I said, No. And he goes, Yeah. So I go in there, I go, where is the paint? She goes, she goes, it, it's on the floor, and I go, where? She had buried it under Barbie dolls and all kinds of stuff that were there. I pull it all back. Well, you know, you got to go do your best to get, get out. The point is, is this. God has his way, his standard, his love for you and me. And the thing is, the law is not meant to justify us. The law is meant to show us how desperately we need a savior. When the Gentiles began to get saved halfway through the book of Acts, and by the way, this to me is an amazing thing. We sing early church, all about love. Jesus loves everybody. Go preach the gospel to every creature, you know. We're halfway, almost halfway through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, before the Gentiles started getting saved. And when they got saved, they were looking at each other saying, is this really okay that the Gentiles are getting saved? That's when Peter, of course, had the vision of the sheet coming down. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Three times it was said to him. And he said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything so profane. And the Lord says, what I've cleansed, don't you call unclean. I I know one thing, this, that I found. When you start telling God, no, Lord, you're in trouble not so lord no you don't do that and they start well they got saved and then they said what laws shall we put the gentiles under since none of our fathers could keep the law in other words we keep bombing the test now again remember when you were in school and you had you didn't care about reading the stupid book all week long. You read the first page, the last page, and write a book report, you know? And then they give you a test what the book was about, and you don't have a clue because all you read was the first page and the last page, and you bomb the test. Listen, we are bombers by nature. That's what the Ten Commandments say. You guys, this is only a test. It's not Meant to justify you. You say, Mike, why do you spend this time doing this? Because you would be amazed how many Christians are sucked back in under the law again by these Judaizers, whether they be in the Bible or they're in your town, saying, well, you know, real Christians worship on Saturday. Okay. Let's talk about that for a minute. You feel spiritual because you worship on Saturday. Do you realize that nobody today in these churches around the world that say they keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath? Because keeping the Sabbath wasn't just getting into a building on a Saturday. It was that you couldn't make anybody work on the Sabbath. In fact, let's look at this. He says, um, Remember the Sabbath. Let's go to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor, do all your work, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. Six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. By the way, I do believe you should take a day off a week. I really do. Stop and smell the roses. That's why God gave you the blessings he gave you. And if all you do is work, you know, a pastor friend of mine went to be with the Lord, made a big monstrous change in my life because I was a I was a church guy. You know, I always went to church. My parents made me go to church, all those kinds of things. But there was a point where I didn't want to go anymore. And this pastor really loved God. And I remember he would he would teach such amazing things out of the Bible. And I always just wanted to go hear him teach because I know that when I would go, I would learn something. I remember one of the stories, I've shared this with you so many times, but I'll tell you where it came from. But when Jesus fed the multitudes with the loaves and fishes. And he said, he said, you know what's really weird about that? He said, the Bible says it was a crowd of 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children there, so figure a 10,000 crowd of at least 10,000 people. I've been in crowds of large groups of numbers. No PA system, no cell phones, no texting, no none of that kind of stuff. Most of the people that were there didn't even know what was going on, and here comes the food, and here comes the food, and here comes the food. They probably thought Jesus had a big cave of food someplace. Go get more out of the cave. OK, here it is. It was those that were close to Jesus saw it was a miracle. Everybody else experienced the blessing of the miracle, but those close to Jesus saw the source of the miracle. Do you get the difference? everybody around you will be blessed because of what God does in your life, but it's because you're close to God, you realize that it's God doing it in you. That's the difference. And I thought, man, that is so amazing how that is. But one of the things he said, I remember very clearly, he said, you know, if you work, 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 never take a day off. He said, you know, your body was not designed by God to be that way. Six days you'll work, seven you'll rest. You don't take your rest, you know what'll happen? Your body will take the rest. It's called getting sick. I thought that was good advice. I always remembered that. And it's good to rest. It's good to take a day off and enjoy the blessings of God. Well, anyway, the point was this. It's a test. The groups around today that say, well, we keep the Sabbath. No, they don't. And don't ever let them walk off your porch. Don't ever let them walk away from you without correcting them on that. Because when they say, well, we keep the Sabbath, no, you don't. Because when you drive to your Sabbath meeting on Saturday morning and you get in a car wreck, you don't lay there till sundown on Saturday night when Sabbath is over and then call the paramedics to come scrape you up and haul you off to bandage you up. No, they turn lights on in their building. They do everything. They don't do anything different. And getting in a building on a Saturday is not keeping the Sabbath. There's rules involved with that. The point is, the Sabbath, Jesus said, was not made for God. Remember that, everyone. It was made for you. Isn't that great to know? God had one of the Ten Commandments for you. You're going to take a day off. I'm going to bless you on the six days that you work. And to make it a law, God says, I'm going to hold a gun to your head. You're going to take a day off whether you want to or not. Isn't that crazy? We have to be forced to take a day off because we think we're the ones that make the difference. God says, haven't you figured it out by now? That I love you. You're my children. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to heal you. You don't have to be in a big or ornate building. Pile a stack of rocks up and I'll meet you there. He says, and let's finish. Do not fear. God doesn't want us to fear him. For the Lord has come to test you. Notice it does not say to justify you. And that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. I'm going to finish this real fast. So the people stood, this is verse 21, so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near. It's the way it is today, friends. There's a group of people that will stand afar off, and there's a group of people that will go boldly into the throne room of grace, make the request known. I pray today you are those people that realize you have a Father in heaven that's reconciled us, not through the law, but through love, And because we love God, we're not going to profane his name. Because we love God, we're not going to steal from our neighbor. God says, I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I don't have to steal. I don't have to covet. What I have is what I know God's given me. So it releases me from all this. This is what is so dangerous in this positive confession stuff where if you want that new refrigerator or that new car, you just blab it and grab it. Baby, it's yours. What's wrong with that? Listen, God is the one that gives us what we need. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, God, I'm just claiming that Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and Erico. That's what I want. And God says, if you're really a servant of mine, you'd be seeking me because I want to send you as a missionary to Hawaii. Really? Well, then I, I don't want to take that thing over there. Do you see the problem? Who is in control? And that's what God endeavors to do. Father-child relationship. Our Father, which art in heaven. You see, that's what God wants from you. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bless you. And everything this world has sucked out of us, God wants to put back in us again. I love that about God. He says, the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. God, silver or gold, you shall not make them for yourselves. Notice he says to be with me. I think sometimes we have to be careful when we start getting into things that remind us about God because it should be in our heart. The altar of the earth you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen, in every place where I record my name. I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make of me an altar of stone and you do not build it, you you shall not build it with hewn stones, for if you do use a tool on it, you profaned it, nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that you that your nakedness may be exposed to us now now i look at this no sweat you know what's interesting in the old testament the priests were commanded to wear white have you ever worn white and tried to do anything i mean you go out to dinner Suits and ties, I I know some of you may have them on here today, but it ain't me. And I like to wear things like this. So when I spill stuff on it, you don't see it so well. And I've noticed when I wear white, it seems that I can soil it so easily. And I usually soil it by doing something, by working or something else. The priests were commanded to wear white, no no sweat, no work. You see, we don't approach God in our works. We approach the Father in Jesus Christ's righteousness we've been clothed with. Not the Ten Commandments. It was only a test to show us we needed God. Isn't that great to know that you're free from the law? That's why the Bible says all things are lawful. But not all things are the best for you. That's why we use the rest of the Bible to temper what we know and what we allow ourselves to get into and what we allow ourselves to get out of. We want to be very careful in that. But know this, and this is the great part of this. Our relationship with God is not a legal relationship. It's a love relationship whereby we cry, Daddy, Paul says. That's great news. Do you realize the cults of the world will not let their people know that concept because it's by works. That's how they control people. That's how they they manipulate people. That's how they drain people of their resources. All these different things. It's by grace we're saved. Not by works lest anyone would boast, but by God's grace. The Ten Commandments, how do we stand up to that? Guilty as charged. That's why Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. And God says, Now I'm going to do something for you you can't do in yourself. I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. All the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in Jesus. And He wraps that coat of righteousness around us, and we sparkle and shine. No longer naked, no longer soiled, we have a brand new relationship with Him. This morning, if you're not a Christian, and you keep thinking that I'm going to approach God by my do's and don'ts and all those kinds of things, I want to tell you, you got a great gift waiting for you today. It's called salvation. I pray that every one of you listening today can defend yourself when somebody comes to you and says, well, real Christians don't eat pork. Really? Well, see, I'm not justified because I eat pork or I don't eat pork. I'm justified because Jesus died on the cross. I haven't even asked him. I said, Let me ask you a question. If I worship on Saturday versus Sunday, what will that do? Oh, well, it'll make you more saved. Really? No, you either are or you're not. I do believe, again, we should take a day off. And I would admonish all of you take a day off a week. If you have to work on Sunday or Saturday or police or in the fire department or paramedic or something like that, but take a day, enjoy what God's given you. Your body will thank you for it, your family will thank you for it, and you'll feel better. If you don't want to work any day of the week, then maybe you need to repent and say, Lord, I know you've got something for me to do, and I want to do it. But the thing to always remember is this, God's blessing is upon you. Rest in that. Know that we do not approach God in my goody two shoes, keeping the Ten Commandments, because that was a test. What God wants from us is that love that he calls us to That we would love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love our neighbor as ourselves. If you're not a Christian here today, I want to invite you to pray and ask the Lord in your life. It'll change. The Bible says you'll go from death unto life. And the problem is, is that we do not have life in ourselves. There's nothing that I can do to be righteous, it's something God gives us. If you need to pray this morning, let's pray. And let's see what God will do. If you're tired, you don't want another 10 years like you just had, another 20 years like you just had, pray this. God will do as you ask, because he's a good God. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood made me righteous. And you rose from the dead to give me life every day and forever. And so now, I put my faith, hope, and trust in you. I repent of the foolish way that I've lived. So now, write my name in your book of life. And may I be part and be about your business for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.